Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hillhead. And as always, an extra special word of welcome to members of our family and friends joining us from around the world and from the length and breadth of the United Kingdom. And this week, one of the people joining us from across the world is the Reverend Emma Walsh, who is leading our worship this morning. And Emma is joining us from her home in Australia. So we are very grateful to her for leading our morning worship at what is late evening for her. So thank you, Emma, and it's lovely to see you. Um, she's going to try and stay and have a chat in one of the breakout rooms. So uh, if Emma's in your group, make sure you make her welcome and you ask her all about her life. As well as Emma, we'll also hear this morning the voices of Elizabeth, who will be leading the Lord's Prayer in Welsh, Grace, who will be reading scripture, Jeff, who will be leading our prayers for others, and our musicians this morning are Paul and Yang Yang. And of course, in a moment or two, Esther and David and their family will be lighting our candle. And if you would like to light a candle at the same time, you're invited to do so. You'll remember that we will celebrate communion together this morning. So if you've forgotten to have something ready to eat and drink, now is the time to have something at hand. Then at 7pm this evening, our joint evening service will be led by Helen Stimson. Just one little bit uh, of news for parents and grandparents. Um, please look closely at the email that had this week's uh, online Sunday school lesson because it begins with a very important announcement and a very important request from the Sunday School staff. It's coming to that time of year where we'll be celebrating uh, the end of the Sunday School year and we would like to be able to see all of the children during that service. So we are asking you if you might make another one of your fabulous short videos. So please read very carefully the instructions. I believe it has something to do with the Bible Detective series that you did earlier this year. So look out your hats and your badges and, and all your detective paraphernalia and you'll be able to take part in the end of year celebration. Once you've filmed your films, please send them to Bethany, who's going to edit everything together. Next Sunday morning, Katrina will be back with us. And in the evening, the Reverend Roger Sturrock will lead evening worship. But now it's over to Esther and David to light our candle. Yes. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Hey, that is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Let us gather together. We have come here today in the presence of our God to worship him and give thanks for his great love to ask for his help. It is a privilege for us to be here, enjoying the fellowship of other believers. May the Lord show us through this time together how we can faithfully serve him and prepare the way for when he comes again.
Let's pray. Lord, as we gather together this morning, we ask that you open our, our ears, our minds and our hearts to all it is that you have to say to us as we gather to worship you in fellowship with each other. Amen. Aintad ahuinun an evoid, sanctadia de enu, dela de deirnas, guinella de rwathis, megis an an ev, vethi arathia hevid, diru ini hevu in bada benadiol, a mother ini ein deledion, vela motherun ninai in deledwir, akna caruani a brovedigaith, aether guarded ni radrug. Canis they thought to you were Danas, an earth agogoniant, an oisoisoith. Amen. chapter 4. After Ehud died, the people of Israel sinned against the Lord again. So the Lord let them be conquered by Jabin, a Canaanite king who ruled in the city of Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived at Harasheth of the Gentiles. Jabin had 900 iron chariots and he ruled the people of Israel with cruelty and violence for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet, and she was serving as a judge for the Israelites at that time. She would sit under a certain palm tree between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel would go there for her decisions. 
One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from the city of Kedesh in Naphtali and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, has given you this command. Take 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them to Mount Tabor. I will bring Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, to fight you at the Kishon River. He will have his chariots and soldiers, but I will give you victory over him. Then Barak replied, I will go if you go with me, but if you don't go, I won't go either. She answered, all right, I will go with you, but you won't get any credit for the victory because the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah set off for Kedesh with Barak. Barak called the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh, and 10,000 men followed him. Deborah went with him. In the meantime, Heber the Kenite had set up his tent close to Kedesh, near the oak tree at Zananim. He had moved away from the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, the brother-in-law of Moses. When Sisera learned that Barak had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called out his 900 iron chariots and all his men and sent them from Harasheth of the Gentiles to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, the Lord is leading you. Today he has given you victory over Sisera. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with his 10,000 men. When Barak attacked with his army, the Lord threw Sisera into confusion together with all his chariots and men. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth of the Gentiles, and Sisera's whole army was killed. Not a man was left. Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because King Jabin of Hazor was at peace with Heber's family. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come in, sir. Come into my tent. Don't be afraid. So he went in, and she hid him behind a curtain. He said to her, Please, give me a drink of water. I'm thirsty. She opened a leather bag of milk, gave him a drink, and hid him again. Then he told her, Stand at the door of the tent, and if anyone comes and asks you if anyone is here, say no. Cicero was so tired that he fell sound asleep. Then, Jael took a hammer and a tent peg, quietly went up to him and killed him by driving the peg right through the side of his head and into the ground. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come here, I'll show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there was Sisera on the ground, dead, with the tent peg through his head. That day, God gave the Israelites victory over Jabin, the Canaanite king. They pressed harder and harder against him until they destroyed him.
Thank you, Grace, for the reading. I um, realise that you got lumped with quite a few names and places that are sometimes unfair to put on people. You did brilliantly. Um, thank you for inviting me to come and worship with you uh, this morning for you, this evening for me. It's about quarter past eight here at night. Um, for those of you that are wondering what this random Australian is, how the connection is with you guys, um, Katrina didn't just pick up a, a random Australian phone book and find me. Um, I, <laughs> I lived in the UK for about 10 years. We came back to Australia in 2018. And so um, I know Katrina quite well. I also know Lena um, quite well as well. Um, so that's, the, that's where the connection is for those of you that are wondering um, how, this, um, how on earth this happened. Um, so, yeah, so thank you once again for, for um, welcoming me to your worship this morning. It's, it's an absolute uh, privilege. So as we get into this, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for, for the opportunity to, to gather together. I ask that, that as we listen to the story of Deborah, that we are able to, to hear how it fits with us, able to hear the promptings of your spirit. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth bring glory to you. Amen. So as we um, have heard, it's, it's quite, I sometimes feel like this, this Bible verse or Bible passage needs to come with um, one of the warning signs that you get on, on TV shows or whatever because it kind of starts okay and then it suddenly escalates um, with, um, with the, the ending with, with jail and, and a, a temp peg that goes through the, the head of someone. Um, so if you weren't prepared for that, I apologise that, um, that that may have come as a shock to you, but it's, a, it's an important part of the story. So this morning we're going to look at Deborah, um, who is, uh, for me, an amazing um, character in the Bible and an amazing uh, person of faith in the Bible. Um, and we've heard a bit of her story and, and are going to look at, at what that has to say to us. So just to recap of the story that, that, um, that Grace read, Israel was in slavery. Um, God speaks to Deborah. And Deborah then summons Barak. Tells Barak to, to gather 10,000 of his men from Naphtali and Zebulun. And Barak says to Deborah, I'll only go if you come with me. And Deborah says, okay, if that's the case, I'll come. But you need to know that if I'm coming with you, that, you, that, that the glory will not go to you, it will go to a woman. Which I'm sure at that point in time, Barak's thinking, okay, Deborah's going to take the glory from, you know, the victory that I've got. But as we found out, that's not the case. Then Deborah and Barak take the army up to Mount Tabor. Heber finds out, tells Sisera. Sisera gathers his army of 900 chariots and men. And then they charge. But God goes before them and they have victory. In the valley, the chariots get stuck. The men get out and run away, but as we hear, all are killed. Sisera flees. Jail offers him sanctuary in her, her tent, but as he sleeps, Jail kills him. So what in this tells us about, about Deborah? We hear of this, this woman that sits under a palm tree, but who was she? Deborah was a unique uh, woman in her era. She was a woman of influence, 
a woman of power and integrity and faith. She was strong, intelligent, wise, honest and courageous. She was remarkable in her time. She had a variety of roles. She was a prophet. She was not the only female prophet in the Old Testament. We also have Miriam, Huldah and Noadiah, who are female prophets in the Old Testament. But she was a prophet nonetheless. Deborah heard the voice of God. Deborah spoke the voice of God to all of the Israelites, to men, women and children. She wasn't just someone who spoke to the women and the kids and someone else spoke to the, to the men. She was the prophet for all. In verse 6, we hear um, the Lord God commands. This is, this is what she is saying to the people around her. We also hear that she's the wife of Lapidoth. Now, this is really important because the role of wife back in, in Old Testament times didn't fit the role of a judge or a prophet. As a wife in Old Testament times, her role was domestic. For a married woman, for a wife to have a role outside of her home, outside of her domestic duties, was very strange for that culture and that time. And a lot has to be said also for Lapidoth. As someone who has been um, a woman who has done things outside of what is culturally normal, um, I started training to be a Baptist minister before women were allowed to be Baptist ministers in Australia. Um, and uh, my husband, Dave, got a lot of flack um, because of it, because um, he was told to pull his wife into line. He was told to keep her quiet. He was told to man up. Um, he was told many things because um, in the churches in Australia, um, at that time, it was not known. Um, those of you who don't know my husband and, and almost none of you do um he's a six foot three biker so um to tell him to, to to man up um and to you know to you know be the bloke um they couldn't reconcile the fact that you could be the a strong man who backs a strong woman and i think it's really important to recognize lapidoth as being someone who backed deborah and that being a very unique relationship um, in israel at that time she was also a leader. She was both a military leader as an army general, but she was also a civil leader, being that she was a judge. She commanded the armies and they obeyed her. She said, take these people, go here, go there. She told Barack what to do. People came to her. In the NRSV version, they, they don't just talk about her sitting under a tree. They talk about under the palm of Deborah. And so it gives a really interesting image of her sitting under this palm with people coming to her to hear her judgment. And her judgment was final. It wasn't that they came to her for her decision on civil issues and then they went away and they figured out whether they agreed or not. They came and her judgment was final. And people would come to a judge in the Old Testament with all sorts of disputes. 
and she covered all of them. She's the only female judge in the Old Testament. She's the only military leader and judge that's also a prophet, male or female, in the whole Old Testament. So that's, so that's not just um, um, the only female to do both those things. She's the only, only character, only, only person in the whole Old Testament to be both a military leader and also a judge. But in looking at, at Deborah, what do we see? We now know a bit more about her, a bit more about her background of what she did and how she did it. But what does that show us about who she was? We see that Deborah is someone that listens to God, listens deeply to God. That Deborah sat under her tree under her palm tree, and discerned the will of God. She had an active relationship with God. You can't discern the will of God at a moment's notice. You can't turn up and spout the will of God without actually spending time in God's presence, without being in a deep and active relationship with God. And so she spent time on that relationship, she spent time so that she was able to perform her role both for herself and for others in her community. She took that role seriously and as a result of that had a deep and active relationship with God. When I think about the relationship that um that I have with God and that others have with God. I think that today's life, it's very, diffi very difficult to, to carve out time to sit under a tree, as it were. You might not want to sit under a tree, um, certainly not in the middle of winter in Scotland. That would be a good idea. But, um, <laughs> but spending time in the presence of God, finding a space where you are able to discern the will of God, finding space for silence, finding space to listen, finding space to open ourselves up to what it is God has to say to us about our lives, about our relationships, about whatever it is that's going on. The only way we can do that is like Deborah, spending time in God's presence. But she wasn't just someone that sat under a tree. She was also a woman of action. She does what's asked by God, even when it seems hard or impossible. When we hear the story, we hear of 10,000 men versus 900 chariots. Now, as far as numbers go, the numbers by all accounts would seem are in Barak's favour. But when you think about it, it's men with spears and feet against men in chariots with horses. And it's a it's deeply imbalanced um, battle. You can imagine local warriors up against elite soldiers. This is what was there. Now, in any battle, that is an insane reality. That is, that is such a disparity. You would never expect to win 
against 900 chariots. And yet that's what she's called to do. She's called to go out and God says, I will give you the victory. And so in faith, she takes action. She steps out in faith and she leads in faith. She doesn't question what's there. God says, go. And so she does. And she commands her army to do the same. But we read in the Bible other women that are women of faith. We think of Mary, the seemingly impossible. And yet she, we hear the wonderful Magnificat where she, where she gives her life and she hands it back to, to, to God. We read about Esther, who put her life at risk to respond faithfully to the call of God. And we think about Sarah, who laughed when God said to her that she would be pregnant. But nonetheless, she was faithful in her response. When we look at Deborah, we see her as a woman of absolute action, a woman who actively has a faith. We see a woman who shows us what it is to respond faithfully to God. But through Deborah's faithfulness, we also see God. We also see God's action. We see God's commitment to ourselves, God's commitment to Deborah. We see that God won't drop you when you feel that you are called into something that is greater than you feel is possible. We hear in verse 14 that God goes before you. Let me read it. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, for this is the day which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. The Lord is indeed going out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 warriors following him. When we are called to step out in faith, we need to remember that we are not called to step out in faith alone, that God is with us, that even if it may seem impossible, it's not, that God calls us and walks beside us every single step of the way. There is nothing that we are called to do that we are called to do alone. We are in relationship with God and God calls us to step out in faith but to step out in faith with him, not by ourselves. We are reminded time and again that God won't drop us. Regardless of what you feel, regardless of what you feel you are experiencing, that God is with you as you walk through with faith. And then at the end, we didn't quite get to this because it would have been another whole chapter to read and I didn't want to make Grace go through that all over again. We get the, De the song of, of Deborah and it's beautiful. I would, uh, I would encourage you to read it. It's where Deborah recounts what has happened. She recounts the story that we have heard in Chapter 4 and she does it in such a way where she is giving God the glory. It is a fantastic declaration 
of her faith and her thankfulness to God. When Deborah won the battle, she doesn't come back and gloat about the fact of, look what I've done, look, you know, look what we've achieved, look what we've accomplished. Instead, she brings all of the glory to God. She sings a song of praise to God. Deborah is a strong woman of faith who recognises the role that God has in her life, who recognises the role that God has in the ups and the downs and gives God the glory. When we see the story of Deborah, what do we learn? We learn that she is an amazing woman of faith. We, we read that she was an obedient woman of faith who did what she was called to do. So often we think heroes are wonderful and they come with capes. I don't know whether she had a cape. I don't imagine she did. But she is a hero nonetheless. Often heroes can be unattainable, but I think that we can see Deborah as someone who's quite attainable. Because we can be like Deborah. We can listen to God. We can set time aside to hear what God is saying to us, even in the busyness of life. My life is busy, but I'm fairly certain it wasn't as busy as someone who was a judge, a military leader um, and a prophet all at the same time, as well as doing everything else that life um, demanded of her. I don't know that I'm ever going to keep busy, that busy at any point in my life. She was able to set time aside to discern the will of God. She, she listened to God and we need to do the same. But not only did she listen to what God had to say to her, she then did it. It's one thing to say to God, please tell me your will. Help me, guide me, show me. And then respond with, oh, uh, no. I, no. <laughs> That's a little bit too hard. I don't want to do that. Could you please, you know, I'm happy to discern your will so long as it fits in with mine and so long as it's an easy option out. Deborah didn't do that. She listened to the will of God and she followed obediently, even though it was hard. And then at the end, she gives glory to God. She thanks God for his faithfulness and she gives him the glory. As we listen to the story of Deborah, we hear of a woman who has given us so many examples of what it is to be faithful. We hear of a woman who was countercultural. We hear of a woman who was full of, of courage and faith and tenacity and wisdom. We too are all those things. We are made by God just as Deborah was. And we are called to respond faithfully to God just as Deborah did. Let's pray. 
Lord, as we look into Deborah's life, we see a woman who was counter to her culture and yet responded to you um, faithfully, obediently, and with such courage. Lord, help us to step out, to speak out with the words and the deeds that you place on our heart. Help us to have the wisdom and the courage of Deborah as we live lives that bring glory to you. Amen. We come together in our praise for others and in our praise for each other. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us here to meet you in word, in song, and in prayer. You have called us here to meet you, called us as your friends. We give thanks that you have kept your promises to us when we are faithful and when we are doubters. When we tell your holy human story or when we fail or fall. Heavenly Father, you have given us a wonderful world, the ability to explore it, but the responsibility to care for it. We give thanks for the majesty of your creation and pray for your guidance and wisdom to discern between helpful and harmful applications of human innovations. Heavenly Father, as we as a society, as a church and as a world seek to wrestle with significant issues worldwide, we pray for wisdom, discernment, and compassion for all. Peasant king who sits at our tables and takes on the tasks of a servant. Lowly king whose hands get dusty from serving others' needs. Mighty king who hangs on a cross, lifted up to show that death is not the final word. And risen king whose triumph confounds all earthly authority. We pray that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This week we remember Dunconess Baptist Church, East Mains Baptist Church, East Kilbride, and Easter House Baptist Church. And from our own church community, we are asked to especially pray for the worship group and the musicians, Jean Reed, Sylvia and Norman, Ailey, John Owen and Ethan, Joan Ross, Margaret Semple, Mary and Ian, Newler, Jonathan, Idris, Casper, Jennifer, Neil and Jensen. Heavenly Father, you have called us all to your table to share the bread and the wine, to share your love of which we sing, to share this feast hosted by our Lord and our Saviour. This we pray through Jesus Christ. Amen. gather now for a time of communion. So if you don't have your um, bread and wine um, or equivalents, um, now is the time to grab hold of them. So we gather in a time of communion, a time of remembrance of Christ and the death and resurrection of Christ. Jesus is the great leveller. We hear in Gentiles that he talks no Jew, there's no, no Jew or Gentile, no slave or free, male or female. We hear phrases like, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. And let the children come. Jesus ate at the table of tax collectors. He had friends that were lepers. He sat with the woman at the well and he healed the sinner. Jesus' focus is on the person's heart, on a person's potential, on a person's future. When we come to communion, we, we recognise that Christ died for us, that this table 
His communion is not of the church, but is of the Lord. So I welcome you to come and join with us. Not because I call you, but because the Lord calls you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you come from, how you dress or talk or what you do. I invite you to come with us and share in communion. Not because you have it all, but because it's all falling apart. Not because you have all the answers, but because you have questions. I invite you to come, not because you have certainty, but because you have doubts. I invite you to come because Christ calls you to come. Let us hear the story of the First Communion. We read in Matthew. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never drink again from this fruit of the wine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We are called to eat and drink. And so as they did at that time, we gather together and we break bread and we share bread, remembering that Christ died for us. Let's pray. Lord, as we gather in this time of communion, we recognise the sacrifice of your death on the cross. We recognise the forgiveness that that represents and we thank you for that. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness and your love. Amen. Please take a piece and eat. And after he broke bread, he shared wine saying, this is my blood, shared as a new covenant for you. I invite you to drink and remember Christ's love for each one of us. And just as the disciples did in the upper room, 2,000 years ago, so we too share a meal, a symbolic meal together as an act of fellowship, remembering the Christ that is before us, the Christ that has died 
and risen again, a Christ that has shown us love and forgiveness beyond any measure we can understand. Let's pray. Lord, as we gather together, as we have shared communion, we recognise the abundant love, the abundant forgiveness that it represents. Lord, help us to truly understand what it is to be a follower of you. Help us to truly understand the depths of your love so that as we go out into the world, we can show that love and forgiveness to others. Amen. As we go out into the world, may we go out knowing that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.